Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends, and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. So glad to be with you. I wish we could just sort of sit down with a cup of coffee or tea, Uh, at the kitchen table and just chat for a while. Um, But, you know, that's going to be hard to do. And we thank God for everyone who's listening. And we feel like we we would love to have a a relationship with you. You know, we're going to offer a free book and the opportunity to get more information about Chosen People Ministries. I really hope that you'll take advantage of that before the end of the show or right after the show because we want you to know us better. We want to know you better. We're going to spend eternity together. And I just love having fellowship with those who love the Lord, love the Bible, and love the Jewish people. And so uh, I would love to, I'd just like to find a way to, to meet some of you and get to know you. So the best way we have right now is for you to connect with us. So please think about that as we go through our study today. Now, I also hope that along with a cup of coffee or tea, you have an open Bible (laughs) because we're going to be looking at the text. And that's kind of a hallmark of Chosen People Ministries. We are are text people. We're Bible people. And uh, we always want to come out of a Bible study knowing more about the Bible, not knowing more uh, wonderful stories, although I've got some good ones about my my new grandson. But but I think that it's more important to, to know about what is being said in the Word of God. And to help us do that is Bobby Walter, the leader of our work in New York City. And Bobby has a lot to share today. And uh, so, Bobby, uh, glad to have you on board. Yes, thank you, Mitch. Shalom. And uh, shalom to all of our listeners. Uh, as always, we're grateful that you're joining us. And uh, Mitch, as we uh, you know, sort of continue in this new series where we're talking about the uh, just the Jewish backgrounds of some key events that unfold in the life, ministry, uh, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus as found in the Gospels. Uh, we're going to really move into a section that I've come to appreciate more and more because it is, you know, so Jewish. And that's uh, in <laughs> in Luke chapter two, right? So I know I know you want to kind of. Uh, uh, I do. Yeah. Why don't you Why don't you pick up for us here? I'll spin it up. You know the. Again, just a reminder, we talk about the incarnation. We talk about God becoming flesh. And we always have to remember that God became a Jewish man. And so this is important because if we want to understand more about the Savior and more about the Scriptures, then we have to understand the Jewishness of Jesus and the Jewishness of Scripture, particularly the New Testament. Uh, because this was written in what's known as the Second Temple Period. The temple was rebuilt in the Intertestamental Period under Ezra and Nehemiah. Herod expanded it, and it's traditionally called the Second Temple Period that lasts, well, basically from the uh, century or two before the coming of Christ until uh, the beginning of the second century AD, because in 70 AD, that beautiful temple was absolutely destroyed. So the setting for the life of Jesus, the setting for those brief, those brief 33 years when the Savior of the world uh, walked this earth and did miracles and talked to uh, uh, his fellow Jewish people about the mysteries of the kingdom of God, this took place during what's known as the Second Temple Period. And the more we know about Judaism from that period, 
the better we can understand the Gospels. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to try and help you. And the interesting thing, Bobby, is that Judaism uh, doesn't change dramatically through the years. It, it, It changes sort of on the outside, but because Judaism as a religion is rooted and grounded in the Bible, and the Bible doesn't change, there are a lot of things about Jewish life that do not change. And uh, let me give you one illustration. So as predicted by the prophet Micah, but thou Bethlehem too little to be among the clans of Judah, one will go forth from me to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from long ago from the days of everlasting. Mm-hmm. It's Micah 5.2. And we understand that God would be born in Bethlehem. A ruler in Israel will be born in Bethlehem, Beit Lechem, the house of bread. And so Jesus was born in in Bethlehem. And then in verse 21, uh, we read of a very, very important event. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus and the name name given by the angel when he was conceived in the womb. Two important points. Number one, he is about to be circumcised Mm -hmm. in fulfillment of God's word to Abraham that all Jewish males would be circumcised. That marks a Jewish boy as part of the Abrahamic covenant. It also marks them as part of the Mosaic covenant. But the Abrahamic covenant is fundamental. That is the promise that God gave to the Jewish people that we would indeed be a a people. We would have a land, a relationship with God, and a mission to be a blessing to all the nations. And so on that eighth day when Jesus is circumcised, that covenant is ratified by blood, and Jesus becomes part of the Jewish people at that moment and takes on the mission of the Jewish people. But my gosh, he would take it on in a way that was more extraordinary and amazing than any individual Jewish people, and even more incredibly than the entire nation of Israel, because he would actually be the light of the world, and he would be a testimony to the nations. And so circumcision was a big event. It was a public event. Family gathered, others gathered. Uh, There's a specific person called a moil in the modern Jewish life who specializes in circumcisions. I just watched my grandson's circumcision. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. But but he did okay. But it it is the removal of of the foreskin. And uh, later on in scripture, uh, that's used metaphorically as covering our hearts and it needs to be removed. We need to have circumcised hearts to be sensitive uh, towards God himself. So the circumcision would happen and then the naming would happen. You see, a Jewish boy is usually not named or a Jewish girl is usually not named until after their birth. Uh, There's a naming ceremony traditionally today in a synagogue 30 days after the birth of a girl. Uh, But on the eighth day at the circumcision, the name is revealed uh, to uh, the the community, the family know the name, but they don't tell right. anybody the right. name. You know that, and, that uh, reminds me, Mitch. When my son was yeah. born, my son uh-huh. uh, uh, is born in Brooklyn, and uh, m- my wife, as she's recovering and the baby's in the room, you know, space is limited in Brooklyn, so we had to share a room with another, you know, mother who just gave birth. And uh, this other mother that we're sharing the room with was a Hasidic woman who I think uh-huh. this may have been her seventh child. And uh, they wouldn't, uh, they're talking about the child, but rather than say his name, they would say the little Sadik. And, and Sadik, as you know, it's a Hebrew word that talks about a righteous one. 
So they were just calling this this newborn baby Sadik, righteous one, until so funny. Uh, yeah, until uh, the baby naming uh, ceremony would have taken place. So that was sort of a prophetic hope. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that he would be a well-behaved child, yeah. you know. And so the name is given by the angel Gabriel to uh, Joseph and Mary, and so he was named uh, Jesus, and which means Savior of the world. Say a God the Savior, and he is the Savior of the world. So again, we have Jewish customs mandated in the Torah as essential uh, to the early life of Jesus, critical to the early life of Jesus, demonstrating, and here's what here's why it's so important. It's not just demonstrating that he's Jewish, but these were, uh, particularly the circumcision, this is mandated in the Torah, mm-hmm. in the five books of Moses. Jesus needed to be a perfect sacrifice. So that meant that even as a baby, everything that was done to him and through him would have to be according to the Mosaic law because he had to be perfect in order to be a perfect sacrifice. So from cradle to the grave, from prophecy to fulfillment, Jesus needed to be exactly as was described in the Old Testament or he could not be the savior of the world. But there's more to the story. Right, Bobby? Absolutely, absolutely. So tell us. Yeah, so uh, you know what, what's really interesting about Luke chapter two and, and so many of these early events that Luke is sharing about uh, the early days of Jesus, uh, it, it revolves around the temple in Jerusalem. And Mitch, mm. as you know, the temple was really like the heart and soul of the Jewish world in biblical times. It was the place where God chose to put his name. Uh, it was the place where sacrifices were offered, where, uh, and really, like the true blessing of the temple was uh, the fact that that was the place where God's presence would touch down from heaven onto earth so that his people could worship him and have this example of what sacrifice looks like and what atonement looks like. So, When we come in Luke chapter 2, we see that Jesus is brought to the temple. And then while he's there, while Mary and Joseph have Jesus there at the temple, again, the the epicenter of Jewish life, he meets two people, right? Two special individuals uh, approach the baby Yeshua, the baby Jesus. One is Simeon the righteous, right? Simeon the tzaddik, Simeon the righteous. And What's beautiful about this is that when Simeon approaches the baby Jesus, he is filled with joy because he understands the magnitude of what is happening, uh, of who has arrived. That this is, yes, a Jewish baby boy, but he's more than that. He's the Jewish Messiah. He's the Jewish King. And I just want to read very quickly here the words of Simeon from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 29. Well, really beginning in verse 28. Then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, why is that significant? Well, because one thing that was unique about the second temple, as opposed to the first temple, The first temple, we see clearly the glory of God fill that place. But when the second temple is built, we never see anything mentioned in the Old Testament or even in the intertestamental literature about the glory of God filling the second temple. But we do find a prophecy in one of the minor prophets, the prophet Haggai. 
in Haggai chapter 2, he talks about the glory of the second temple surpassing the glory of the first temple. Uh, And here, when Simeon is recognizing the baby Jesus, this King Messiah, uh, the the King of Israel who was just born, uh, the way he words it, the way he uh, responds to the presence of Jesus in this temple complex is to recognize that the glory of the Lord has now filled this place. The glory of the Lord, the glory of your people Israel was now there in the temple, in the baby Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful. I mean... Could you imagine how they really felt? I mean, these are words we read, but imagine the emotion they felt, waiting for the consolation, for the hope of Israel. And um, quick question, because I know that we have to close this little chat, and that is, do you think that these two Jewish people had an understanding of two comings or the understanding that, did they think that the Messiah was going to be born to die, or do you think that they believe the Messiah would be born to reign. What do you think, Bob? I think, yes. <laughs> I think it's both. I think it's both and. You know, never trust somebody from New Jersey, <laughs> right. I've got to tell you. you know. um, all right, so I'm glad you asked me to. I believe that their emphasis was on what we would call the second coming. Mm-hmm. I believe if you look at the Davidic language here, they were looking for the kingdom. I, I'm I'm not sure if they really understood that he would die uh, for their sins. But we don't know because the text doesn't tell us. So, Bobby, two of the first people I'm going to talk to, because I, I just really like them both. I'm going to talk to this wonderful woman from the tribe of Asher, and I'm going to chat with Simeon and say, what did you hope for? I know a lot of Jewish people today just are unaware of the prophecies about the first coming, that Jesus was born to die. And that's what chosen people does. We proclaim the good news to our Jewish people that the Savior has come once to die for their sins and is coming again to reign as King. Ask any believer about the Messiah's return, and they will tell you that it is going to happen sometime in the future. But ask those same believers about Israel and her role in the Messiah's return, and their response becomes less clear. Biblical prophecy is vital to the believer's life and journey of faith. And knowing that the Messiah is returning, and Israel has a future in the Millennial Kingdom, is part of the reason we're offering Dr. Harold Sevener's book, Daniel, God's Man in Babylon, for free this month. Discover the timeless truths about God's plan for the land and people of Israel when you visit us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio or ask for the free book Daniel God's Man in Babylon by calling 888-293-7482 that number again is 888-293-7482 here at Chosen People Ministries we want to educate and equip believers all over the world so that we can hasten the Messiah's return and restore the kingdom New York City home to an estimated 1.6 million Jewish people. At Chosen People Ministries, we gather believers from all over the country every summer to proclaim the good news of Jesus the Messiah to Jewish people all around the city. We engage in street outreach and follow-up. We also invite our volunteers to a special Jewish cultural day, Sabbath dinner celebration, and more. If you have a heart for the Jewish people and love to talk about Jesus, visit chosenpeople.com slash shalomnewyork to find out more. 
That's chosenpeople.com slash Shalom New York. We hope to see you this summer. Well, right now we're going to hear from one of my favorite people, Israel Cohen. In the 1960s, Israel joined the U.S. Navy to serve his country, but he had no idea that his life was about to change completely, all because of one passage in the New Testament. And he is still one of the most dynamic 80-plus-year-old missionaries working with Chosen People Ministries. You're going to just love Israel's testimony. I mean, I heard about some of these these guys like John the Baptist. He's a Baptist. I found out later on he's Jewish. St. Paul, Jewish? Yeah, Jewish. St. Peter, how can anybody by the name of St. Peter be Jewish? Guess what? I found out they're all Jewish. Now, I grew up in Philadelphia in a Jewish neighborhood. On the other side of the street, that was mostly Gentiles. These poor Gentiles, they would worship a statue. Some of those people had statues in their lawns. At the age of eight years old, I joined the Cub Scouts, which is part of the Boy Scouts. They had a, they have, they still probably have this today, a, a magazine. It's called Boy's Life Magazine. And in that magazine, they had the instructions on how to build a uh, crystal radio. I was so excited. It was, it was like I was in heaven with this radio that worked. I would rush home from school and put on the earphones. And I was hearing these people talking about Jesus on the short wave. They were like, at the same time, I was preparing for my bar mitzvah, and my rabbi told me, never believe in Jesus, and never read the New Testament. That's a Gentile book, and Jesus is for the Gentiles. I joined the Navy in 1960 and wound up in a, in a drill hall with 400 guys. Now, this is the first time in my life I was ever away from my mother and father. They taught me how to smoke a cigarette. Uh, you know, oh, I was coughing like crazy. They said, real sailors drink whiskey. And that was burning my throat. I did it because I wanted to be a real sailor. I wound up getting drunk every night. Wound up going out with, with women that I shouldn't be doing. Sometimes deep down inside of me, I was saying, man, this doesn't feel right. Something's wrong here. This doesn't seem right. You see, when you join the Navy, I don't know if they do this today anymore, but this was back in 1960. We were naked and had our hair shaved, and then we went through the line to get our uniforms and stuff. At the end of the line, they said Catholic, Protestant, or Jewish. So they gave you a Bible. I had my Tanakh. I had my little, my Jewish scriptures. I don't know what you do with the Bible. I thought, you know, it might be like a rabbit's foot, good luck charm, or maybe it'd be like my grandmother's chicken soup. Anytime I was sick, my grandmother said, have some matzo ball soup, have some chicken soup. I said, will it help? She said, it couldn't hide, you know? I said, well, I have a Bible. Will it help? Well, it couldn't hide, you know? Uh, one of the sailors uh, that I was with in the Navy said to me, you're Jewish, right? I said, yeah. Do you have a Bible? I said, sure, I have a Bible. They gave it to me when I joined the Navy. He said, let me see your Bible. And he turned in my Bible to Isaiah chapter 53. He said, here, read this. I read the whole chapter of Isaiah 53. I said, wait a minute. This sounds like those folks across the street. This sounds like the Gentiles. This sounds like what I was hearing on the short wave. They made a mistake. They gave me a New Testament. And my rabbi told me, never read the New Testament. You better take this because this is for you. This is not my Bible. So no, no, look, Hebrew Publishing Company. <gasps> Hebrew Publishing Company. What's, this is crazy. What's Jesus doing in my Bible? He said, well, he's your Messiah. He's my Messiah. I, I, I was shocked. And he said, would you like to read about that in the New Testament? I said, uh, well, I can't read the New Testament because my rabbi told me never read uh, the New Testament. And he looked around over here. I looked over here. And he says, I'll make a deal with you. If you don't tell your rabbi that you read the New Testament, I won't tell him either. I thought about that for a minute. 
Okay, but I was scared. I thought lightning was going to strike me. I actually thought I was going to be struck by lightning. I expected it to be a Gentile book. I expected it to take place in Rome with a bunch of popes talking about Catholic things and statues. What surprised me is how Jewish the New Testament really is. It's the most Jewish book I ever read. The more I, I, I read the scriptures, the more I, I was, was praying, I realized that inside I was not, not clean. Inside, I had all kinds of anger. I was getting drunk every night. I was going with the women. I was smoking three packs of unfiltered palm all day, coughing like crazy. I was making pretend like I enjoyed it. I didn't want to make pretend anymore. I didn't want to live that way anymore. Now it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm in the barracks, big barracks and I had a blanket all the way over, and, and the light was shining on the New Testament. And I, I prayed, you know, Baruch Atah, Lord, Jesus, I'm here. Uh, um, I want to believe in you. And I went to bed. May 16th, 1961, came to faith in, in the Messiah. That's just so important in my life. It's, it's a... A, a moment that totally, completely changed and revolutionized my life. Even if I was the very last person on earth, Jesus would still have died for me. And I am confident that when I die, I'll go to be with him. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second-generation young adults, and we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a chosen people trip. But I know that you'll want to be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel. To learn more about this new exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then please let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. We've got a variety of resources available, and we even have a free gift available for you just for reaching out. We'd love to thank you by sending you a book by Harold Sevner, a former president of Chosen People Ministries, about the book of Daniel, which will give you incredible insight to the times that are unfolding at this very moment. Daniel couldn't be more relevant than today. And so God's Man in Babylon, the story of Daniel, will be sent to you free when you reach out to say shalom or hello to your friends at Chosen People Ministries at chosenpeople.com slash radio. That's chosenpeople.com slash radio. You can also ask for Dr. Sevener's book on Daniel when you write to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. That's 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. Or you can request your copy when you call us at 888-293-7482. 
And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.